All right, so today we're in Lesson 7. We're going to look at Chapter 4, and uh, we're going to talk about a view of God's servants. So Paul is going to wrap up this whole issue that's causing divisions among themselves, okay? So, which, which if you remember, was that they were, some of them, they were gravitating towards certain leaders that had been at the church or were now currently at the church, some who weren't even at the church, and uh, so they were fussing and feuding among themselves, and so he's dealing with that issue. Next week, he's going to get in, when we get into chapter 5, he's going to get into an entirely different subject of what is the marking them. In fact, when we talk about it next week, we're going to see what they tolerated. You're going to be like, well, what were they fighting about? It's just kind of immature. And so they, he's dealing with immaturity in the church. Okay? So we'll talk about what they're dealing with next, next week when we get into chapter 5. So let's talk about him wrapping up this whole issue that they're fighting over, gravitating towards one specific leader or not. Okay? So we're going to talk, first of all, let's look at it together. We're going to talk about faithful servants. Look with me at verses 1 to 5. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ, as stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against me, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things which are hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. All right, so let's take a look at a proper view of God's servants. Now, I think this is pretty important that we kind of look at what he's saying here in these five verses. So why do I think it's important? Well, let me ask you something. What is our, te- I, think, I think it's our culture part of it, okay? Our North American culture. How, how do we view leaders, especially a leader in a church, a pastor? How, how, what's our normal tendency to do? Okay, so Tim says, put him on a pedestal, okay? All right. Anybody else have a nicer way of saying that? Look up to him, okay? Why do we do that? Okay, so Tim's talking about me, so God chose you to be our leader, so we will need to look up to you. Why do we have a tendency to do that, period? Because you don't just look up to your pastor, you look up to guys you listen to on the radio or guys on TV or... Why do we do that? Okay. Okay, you just expect that. Okay, anybody else? Am I confusing you? Well, we are called to do that, yes. Yeah, we, 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 we
Okay. Yes. 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 <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. But but forget me. Drop me out of the equation for a moment, because everybody wants to go. Well, you, the pastor, George. We're talking about you. But I, I want you to think beyond me. So okay. So think. I mean, he's dead now. Think about a Billy Graham. Why did we give honor to? Why did we like hold Billy Graham up? Lori. No, no, that is what I'm looking for. Go ahead, but I mean, that, you're 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 hitting on it. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. So, all right, all right. Here's here's what I want you to understand. Here, here's what I'm getting at. Why do, when we're in a group, let's say we have a group of pastors, and some are like me, pastoring a small church, but then you have like somebody like a Billy Graham or a Rick Warren. Or, or somebody like that shows up in a room, who do people have a tendency to want to listen to more than anybody? The one that has the most followers. Okay, so... The most popular. Okay, so why do, we, why do we gravitate towards that? Following the crowd. Well, okay, you're saying because we're following the crowd, but what's our basis for our judgment? Yes. Okay, yeah, but that's not what I'm talking about, though. We, well, I'm talking about why do we give certain people credibility? What basis do we use to give them credibility, whether it is simply a pastor or if it's anybody in our Christian circles? What, what, what basis do we say, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to listen to that guy because look at how big his what is. You know what I'm saying? Oh, we consider him authority, but what's our basis for considering him authority? Is it simply just because they're a servant of God or what? Okay, Randy said their accomplishments. What are you thinking, Laura? Are you going to... Okay, our preferences. Okay, that... Okay. All right. Okay, familiarity. But here's the thing. We, we judge our leaders by what standard? Okay, Gene says our standard uh, by how big our ministry or whatever is. Yes, we do that. Now, all right, so what kind of a standard is that? Is it a Bible standard? Our human, yeah, because that's how we judge things in our culture, right? I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong, though, Bruce. No, but yeah, but you still got like other things that you base them on, like are they teaching the word of God? And like, because there's there's lots of leaders that are pastors allegedly that are teaching the word of God. Yes, I understand that. Yeah. Okay, you're being discerning. Yeah. Okay. All right, now, here, here's why, why am I dragging this out? This feels like torture, George, okay? Why am I doing this? Because I want you to understand 
This is typically what was going on there in Corinth. They were fighting over trying to distinguish between a Paul and an Apollos or a Peter. And they were gravitating towards them all. And so Paul's going to, he's going to come along right now and he's going to bring it down to, listen, you guys are looking at it completely wrong. Completely wrong. You need to view it completely differently. And you might actually be shocked by what he's saying if you really consider what he's saying, okay? So let's take a look at it. So first of all, here's what he says. He points out that he and Apollos are simply just servants of Christ. They're just servants. Period. So a Billy Graham is just a servant. I'm just a servant. Rick Warren, who just retired, is just a servant. The pastor of the largest church in our community is just a servant. The pastor of the smallest church in our community is just a servant. We're all just servants, period. Just understand that. Now, here's my thing. When you talk about servants, who's the one that gives them the responsibilities? God. And does he give everyone the same responsibility? He, according to the Lord, he gives them according to their what? Their abilities and so forth and what he wants to do with them. Do you, do you understand? It's not the size of the responsibility. It's just that they're a servant. And he's telling them to do this certain thing. So here's what he says. They are stewards of the message of the gospel. All of them are stewards of one message. Should be the same message, okay? Now, Bruce brought it up. You can listen to a guy and like, like he's off the wall or he's, you know, he's garbage. Doesn't matter how big his church is. Because his basis for his assessment of that guy speaking is the gospel. Is he right on with the word of God or not? Do you know what I'm saying? So it's not just that you've got a bunch of folks showing up and it's okay, which, by the way, can I be honest with you, if, if crowd was the, the test for ministry and the validity of the ministry, then the Jehovah Witnesses got it good. What do you mean? Well, when I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina, every July or June or July, some one of the months, the Jehovah Witnesses in the state of South Carolina would rent the Carolina Coliseum to do their baptisms. So they would fill up the Carolina Coliseum with Jehovah Witnesses. Now, if you were basing everything just on numbers, you would say, oh, they're doing pretty good. But we know they're not doing pretty good because why? They preach a false gospel, right? Okay? So the reality is, we're just stewards of the message, okay? We're just stewards of the message. Now, as stewards of the gospel, they must be faithful to the task. This is the issue for all pastors, all leaders. Just be faithful. Faithful to what? Stewarding the gospel. Now, what does that mean? Stewarding the gospel for a pastor is to make sure you guys understand the gospel, that you live out the gospel, that you live according to the gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying? That you have that as a part of your lives. That's what a pastor does. 
But isn't that all of our tasks? So aren't we all called what? Servants? I guess what I'm also trying to show you here is I'm not special compared to you. Bruce already said that. He knows I'm human. I know he's human. Did you know what I'm saying? And we're the same. Now, in our culture, we want to lift up, Lori brought it up, the celebrity thing. But that's our culture that does that. Shouldn't be that way in a church, right? All right, what were you going to say, Lori? The place of honor? <laughs> yes, yes, you're right. Yes. Yes, it is. And I was just thinking in a hilarious way that, uh, you know, there it was the best seat in the front. We reversed it now over 2,000 years. The best seat is... Tom, Janelle, please move so that they can sit where you're at, the back seat. And you guys can sit up front. Do you know what I'm saying? So, you know, that, so, yeah, we give honor. That's our natural tendency is to want to give honor to what we think of as the best or the prestigious or whatever. But that's not, that's not the point here. We're just servants. He's trying to point out to them because they're arguing. I'm a Paul. I'm a Paulus. We're just servants. Doing our job, being faithful, okay? Being faithful. As stewards of the gospel, they must be faithful to the task. Now, God's servants cannot be judged by human standards or wisdom. Paul's talking about himself here in this passage. He said, you can't judge me by human standards. You can't judge me by human wisdom. Do you understand? The, the issue is, what does God say? Am I being faithful to what he tells me to do? Or are you being faithful? We can't judge each other based on standards. Do you, do you, know, do you know what I mean? You can't, you can't judge that. And uh, I remember years ago, it was right after I finished seminary, I... Uh, was looking for a church. We decided not to go the missions route. So I'm, I'm working in the Christmas tree field at, for my father-in-law. And, of course, I hated that. I don't need to tell you that. So uh, anybody who works in a Christmas tree will hate, hates, hates it. Okay, so maybe I'm generalizing. Maybe there's that one person out there that just loves it. Okay. But anyhow, um, I, 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 somebody offered me was a friend offered me to come and be their youth pastor. And um, so I, I talked about it with Lori. We, we just had some questions. And, and one of the things that stuck out to me, I didn't mention it to Lori then, but I'll, I'll, she'll obviously hear it now, is that he said, and when we see the youth group grow, we'll know you're the right one. That, well, that bothered me. What was the basis for knowing if I was the right youth pastor or not? 
the size of the youth group, right? Okay. So what standard is being used there? Yeah, fill in the seats. Yeah, yeah if, as long as we got a good show. You know what I'm saying? So, which is what most people think, these pastors think they do. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, yes. Do you see what I'm saying? Paul says, though, we're not judged by human standards, though. We're judged by what? God. By our faithfulness, not by human wisdom or, or by human standards. Okay, let's go on. God's servants will ultimately be judged by God. Ultimately, that's where God's servants will be judged. In fact, Scripture tells us in other portions that we'll have a higher standard to meet. That's the scary thing, isn't it? Yeah. That, that's, that's, you know, we'll have a, 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 harsher punish, a harsher judgment to deal with. Are we being faithful? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's the reason why people do that. I would tend to think no. Most people don't even think that way. Do you know what I'm saying? Most people, we don't, we don't lift up our leaders thinking, oh, well, they're going to face a bigger judgment. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't think that way, to be honest with you, Tim. Uh, I kind of look at some of the things that have been mentioned here. What's their credibility? What, what's their impact? What, how much do they know the Word of God? What's their teaching light in their, like and everything? And, and I'll be honest with you, Tim. Actually, there were, there were men that I personally have held in high esteem through the years. A lot of them crashed and burned later. I mean, it was revealed that they were leading double lives or whatever. And do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? So it's kind of hard just to, to, to use that because look, notice what he says here in the passage. He says, verse 5, Therefore do not pronounce judgment before his time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things hidden in darkness. Hidden in darkness. See, so, can, 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 I mean, so I've been here 22 years. A lot of you know me, and you know I got warts. You know, Bruce kind of mentioned that I'm not human, okay? But can we, can, can, all right, so. I am human, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a cyborg. Okay, so. All right. No, but listen, <laughs> listen to me. Do you really know me? So some of you have been our pastor for a long time. I've been here. Do you really know me? No, okay. Do I really know you? No. So how can we ultimately judge each other then? That's what Paul's trying to say here. The ultimate judge is who? Because he brings to light the things in what? Darkness. He reveals it. You, do, do you understand? Now, why would he? Why is he doing that? He's wanting them to quit lifting up men in their eyes and following after them, because the only one you should be lifting up in your eyes is who? Jesus, because he's the only perfect one, right? 
He's the only one who's got the right motives. So lift him up and, and recognize that we're just servants. And we're going to have a judgment. Do you, do you understand? So God's servants will ultimately be judged by God. God is the only one who can judge and reward the nature of one's ministry. He's the only one. I mean, you can look at someone and say, oh, man, what an awesome ministry, what a powerful thing. But you know what? He knows their hearts. He knows what they're doing in darkness. He knows what their motives were. Do you, do you know what I mean? What their motives were. He knows that. So, all right, so let's talk about true apostleship now. So that brings us into Paul talking about him being an apostle. So notice with me verses 6 through 13. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond, wow, look at that, not to go beyond what is written that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What, do you? what do you have that you have not received? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you, already you have all that you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, You've become kings, and with that, you did reign so that you might share the rule with you, so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, as man's men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. We are weak. You are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. It's almost a sense of sarcasm there, isn't it? When you think about that. Oh, you guys are, but we're less. I mean, he's talking about he and Apollos. Okay? To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed, buffeted, and homeless. We labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the earth, the refuse of all things. Paul refers to himself as the scum of the earth. It's interesting. I think that that's interesting. I know of a church out in Colorado. That's the name of the church, Scum of the Earth Church. You know who they? You know who they ministered to? I remember hearing about them 15 years ago. You know who they ministered to? Emo people. Do you know what e people who dress emo are like? They're the gothic-looking people. The black and stuff. Uh, maybe with some people it is, yeah. But that's who they were ministering to. Do you know what I'm saying? And they were attracted because they view themselves as the, the, the scum of the earth. So Paul's saying, we're the scum of the earth. Isn't that interesting? Let's talk about what he's saying here. So tr true apostleship. First of all, 
Just as human wisdom cannot judge ministry, it should not be used to judge each other. Wow. Just as human wisdom can't be used to judge servants of the Lord, we really shouldn't use that to judge each other, period, okay? Here's what else he says. Each one has no basis for boasting since God is the source of what we have. You know, don't, don't be like real. Look at what I got. Look at what I've achieved. Look at my retirement plan. Look at my car, my truck, or, or my deer. Really? I've seen some guys in church get some really nice deer this year, okay? But who gave you the deer? Do you know what I'm saying? Did you have it on a leash somewhere and, and pulled a trigger and it just ran out at the right time? No, it, it, it was the Lord who brought it by. I mean, you can't even boast in that, can you? You know, no, basing, no basis for boasting because God is the source of what we have. All right, so Paul points out that they think that they are spiritually mature, but they're not. Now, it's interesting. Let me pause there for a moment. Would you say this church has got some problems, Corinthian church has got problems? But they think they're mature. I think of another church. It's in Revelation chapter 3. It's the church at Laodicea. They thought they had it all together. And they thought they were wealthy and smart and everything. And God says, you're naked and spiritually wretched. You don't even know that. It's usually when you think you're doing okay that you're not. That's just reality. It's usually when you think that you got it together spiritually that you're not. And they thought they were spiritually mature. He compares his own current situation to their boasting. His point is, you want to boast in me? You want to boast in Apollos? You want to boast in Cephas? This is what our lives are really like. We're hated. We're chased out of towns. We're, we're killed. We, we, we have to work for what we have. And you think we're that great? We're not. We're just servants. We're just servants. This is, my, this is our situation that we're in. And you want to boast? Don't, don't boast, he says. Let's go on. Here's what he does points out that they, as the apostles, have endured the rejection of the world. Listen, I think, some, I think one of the things that the church in North America has got to grasp, okay, is the world doesn't like us. Quit trying to make it like us. It's not going to like you. Do you understand? Do you know why it's not going to like you? Because it hates Jesus. And Jesus says, if they would hate the master, would they not also hate the servants? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You can't make them like you. Because what you believe is so contrary to what the world thinks. Do you understand? So he's saying here, he points out that they, as apostles, have, have endured rejection, the rejection of the world. He is not writing them to bring them to shame, but to warn them. Warn them. What is he talking about here? Look with me at verse 14 through 21. Here's what he's saying. 
do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in, in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not I will find out not to talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in the spirit of gentleness? All right, so here's the challenge, okay? So he's, he's, he's writing them not to, he's not writing them not just to humiliate them which I think that's the point here we need to understand. He's getting ready to correct them, and even now he's been correcting them. His purpose in correcting them is to what? Anybody know? What did you say? Help them grow? What did you say? To warn them, to build them up. Okay, so here's what I want you to understand. This is very much a principle in the New Testament. All confrontation is to build people up in the Scripture, not to humiliate. All discipline in the Scripture, in the New Testament, is to build people up, not to humiliate. Why? Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. You who are spiritual, what? Find that one who's the... And and restore them. That's what the purpose of judgment in God's Word is, is to restore them. Now, we sometimes get that reversed in church, right? Because we think, if I'm going to bring up brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so and tell you about their sin, I'm bringing them up so that they will be what in front of you? humiliated, judged. Do you you understand? That's not the purpose. The purpose, he says, I'm writing you, is not to shame you, but to help you. Now, it's interesting. Here, just so you think, why, why, why would he say that? Well, first of all, these letters that Paul sent, they didn't just stay in the Corinthian church. they would be shared with everybody. Do do you know what I mean? So let's say I I write a letter to, to, there's something about my last conversation with Brad, the way he drank his coffee, the way he laughed that I didn't like. And uh, so I write a note to him and I say, you know, Brad, you got to really do something about that. Now, nobody would know that I wrote him that, that note, right? Maybe Lisa would because Brad would tell her, but nobody else would know that. Well, because that would be just between he and I. This, these, letters, these letters were openly shared in the congregation, and then they would share them with other congregations. Paul's making the point here. He's not wanting to just destroy them, to humiliate them, to make them ashamed. He's wanting to help them. See, this is the purpose of all things in Christianity, is to, to build us up. To build us up in the Lord. So, while they have many teachers, he's their only spiritual father. And they've had many teachers. Apollos was one of the teachers that came. But they only have one spiritual father. 
Who's the one who started the church? Paul. He said, I'm, I'm your spiritual father, whether you really want to recognize it or not. Yeah, the other guy maybe speaks better, helps you to understand better, but you only have one. I'm the one you believe, I'm the reason why you believe, he's saying. He tells them to follow his example of humility. Follow his example. Be humble. Be humble. Timothy was sent to remind them of Paul's teaching. You know, he was sent to remind them of Paul's teaching. To be honest with you folks, that's what all servants today are supposed to do. Remind us of what? What the apostles wrote, what Jesus said, what the scripture teaches. That's our, our task, is not to introduce some new doctrine. As soon as somebody says, oh, I've got the book of George. Be like, see ya, get out of here. Did you understand? There is no book of George. There is no new prophecy. There is no new teaching. Do you understand? We're to be reminded. That's what Timothy was sent for. Now here, some arrogantly felt that Paul would never visit them again. So there's some people there that, oh, Paul will never come see us again. They were making these statements and so forth. But Paul's, Paul's going to point out to them, he states that he plans to visit them and he'll deal with the arrogant. He'll deal with them. What would that be like? Well, think about it for a moment. Um, there's another, Third John is another book where John, the apostle, tells, tells the, the reader of, of the letters that he's writing there about a guy by the name of Diotrephes. And he says, this guy's doing all this stuff and he's saying all these things. I'm going to come and make it right. Now, these guys had an authority that we don't have. What do you mean? Well, think about it in the book of Acts. Here they are, they're preaching the gospel to the Samaritans, Peter, and so forth, and there's this one guy, Simon, who is a sorcerer. He wants to buy the gift, and Peter rebukes him and says, you're blind. Paul, when they're before the proconsul, and there's a, there's a Jewish guy there who's opposing them, he blinds, he just speaks the word, and that guy's blind. These guys had a, an authority. I don't know of any human being that has that kind of authority today, right? But he said, I'm going to set it right. I'll set these guys right when I come there. I'm going to set right the arrogant. So the kingdom of God is not just talk, he brings out here, but living in the power of God. That's what it's about. It's about living in the power of God. It's not just talk. It's about living in his power. Who's the source of that power, folks? The Holy Spirit. So it's not a question of when Paul will come, but it's a question of how he'll come. So he's basically throwing it in their court. What do you mean how he'll come? He said, I'm either going to come with a rod, or in my growing up in the Carolinas, where my daddy would say, go get a switch. You understand what that meant, right? You know what I'm saying? Go get a switch. You're going to get disciplined. I'm going to come with a rod. You don't know, Bruce? That's not just a Carolina thing. Oh, okay. Well, you have that up here. Did your dad tell you to go get a switch? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So go get a switch. All right. Or I'm going to come, he says, with love. But you have to make the decision how I'm going to show up. You decide how I'm going to show up. That's what Paul's saying here. Okay? That's what he's talking about here. So... The Corinthians will determine the nature of his visit. 
So really, there's the element of choice is there. You decide how God's going to show up and deal with you in life, right? Yeah. Next week, we're going to get into a very serious sin. And it wasn't the argument thing. They were actually not arguing about this one. They should have been, but they weren't. But we'll talk about that next week.